Then Pontius Pilate entered the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you ask me this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate said to him, I'm not a Jew, am I your own nation? And the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate said, so you are a king then. Jesus said, you say that I'm a king, but for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ the King's a weird Sunday. It's the last in the liturgical year, meant to give us some perspective before we head into the season of Advent and the waiting and the hoping and the coming of Christ. Um, So we get a perspective of what all of that is about with this gospel of Jesus all of a sudden standing before Pilate waiting to be executed. Whenever I hear this account of Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, this painting comes to mind. It's called, in English, it's called Behold the Man by Antonio Ceseri. It was painted in 1871, according to Wikipedia. I don't recall this painting because I'm a connoisseur of fine religious art. It was just the cover of a book I had once. And I wondered about Jesus standing with Pilate before the crowds in this morning's Gospel story, something about all of that, and this painting had me thinking about that old Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, The Emperor's New Clothes. And just to be clear about where your pastor's head is at with all of this, when I think about that classic story, this is the book cover that comes to mind. Some pedestrian version of the story thanks to Disney. And maybe it's because I have baptisms on the brain and babies too this afternoon at our second service. But just when I wondered if I was off on some weird Pastor Mark flavored rabbit hole of a sermon tangent, I came across this picture when I was looking for that one. Painted by some guy named Rob Embleton sometime in the 80s from a different picture book altogether about the emperor's new clothes. If nothing else... I convinced myself the similarities between those two paintings made me think maybe I was on to something. Whether Rob Embleton, whoever that is, and Antonio Cesare would have connected these theological dots or not in a million years. But here we go. Some here may not remember the story. I'm not sure that my kids would know the story of the emperor's new clothes, which goes something like, this. There was an emperor who was obsessed with his appreciation for fine linens and fancy robes and whatnot. So he summons and he commissions some of the master weavers under his rule to make for him a suit of the most expensive linen and the finest cloth. And these weavers, not wild about their self-centered emperor, 
decide to make a fool of him and trick him into believing that they've crafted the most beautiful robes made of the finest but mysterious magical cloth that they could find. They convince their fool of a king that the cloth they've used can only be seen by wise people, worthy of whatever position or title or status they hold, which meant, of course, that fools, unworthy of their lot in life, would not be able to see the outfit that they had made. So after pretending to dress their emperor in clothes that don't exist, the emperor is secretly and privately discouraged that he himself cannot see the new outfit that he's not wearing, which would imply that he himself was unfit for the role of emperor. And instead of calling the tailors and the weavers to ask about this prank, He plays along with it all, hook, line, and sinker, and pretends to be donned in those finest, most beautiful duds in town. And he goes out into the world then, of course, parading through the kingdom in his birthday suit, extolling the virtues and the beauty of his fancy new wardrobe. And when the rest of the kingdom hears about it, they too, afraid to be the only ones not worthy of seeing what everyone else could apparently see, ooh, and ah, pretending to admire and to adore the emperor and his new clothes that he's not wearing. And on it goes until a small child in the public square, without wisdom or regard for the charade of this all, declares that everyone was pretending or denying or playing along with for their own selfish, self-serving sakes. The emperor's not wearing any clothes. The story, of course, is a simple comment on the hypocrisy of leaders. It's about self-importance and conceit. It's about wanting to belong and to be in charge at the expense of your own integrity. It's about pretending to be something you are not and of going along to get along. And when I think about Jesus and his title as Christ the King, alongside this story of the emperor's new clothes, I see that fairy tale in a different kind of way. Certainly, I could cite examples, as could you. So many in the world, in our body politic these days, in the church, where people go along to get along, where hypocrisy wins a lot, where leaders don't always measure up to what is expected of them, where we pretend and deny and play along with the rest of the world for the sake of pride and popularity and power and any number of selfish, self-serving desires. But when I think about Jesus, none of that is true. When I think about Jesus and the emperor's new clothes, I think the tables were turned in a different sort of way. 
In the fairy tale, the emperor is the fool and the hypocrite and the one whose own incompetence is on display by his attempt to hide all of that. His incompetence, his unworthiness, his insecurity and lack of integrity. In Jesus, though, this king we call the Christ, we, like the crowds and the villagers under that emperor's rule, along with Pilate and Herod and the crowds back in Jesus' day, we're the ones who play the fool too much of the time. As much as we are taught to the contrary, we still look for a king who dresses up in the stuff of this world. But the kingdom of God is not made up of the stuff of this world. Even though we gather around mangers and crosses, the ultimate symbols of humility and poverty and pain, even though we confess a suffering servant as God, even though we hear about the last being first and the first being last, about the meek inheriting the earth, about the kingdom belonging to the poor in spirit, about turning the other cheek, about forgiveness and grace and peace. In spite of all that, we work really hard to make Jesus Christ the king like a ruler of this world. Even though we celebrate the resurrection and the life, too many people fear a God who rules by way of death and damnation. Even though we sing about a God of amazing grace and a beautiful Savior and a Prince of Peace and a blessed assurance, we make up rules. We put up stumbling blocks, we build walls, we close doors to just how mighty and how gracious and how generous and how forgiving our God can be. In other words, we dress Jesus up in clothes that God never intended to wear. We dress up Christ, our King, in attitudes and opinions that fit us, but that are just too small for him. We cover up the simple grace and peace and love of this Jesus with judgment and fear, with limits and restrictions, with a closed mind and with clenched fists that were never made for him. As Anne Lamott said once, you know you've created God in your own image when your God hates all the same people that you do. But all along, Jesus, a little bit like the emperor in the fairy tale, isn't wearing any of that. And Jesus, unlike the emperor in the fairy tale, never pretends otherwise. Jesus, Christ our King and the Emperor of all eternity, hit the streets. And he marched too, but to the cross. And all along the way, he wears nothing more than swaddling clothes, a belt of righteousness perhaps. He wears a crown of thorns. He straps a cross to his back. He's stripped bare. He lets them gamble for his robes. And he is covered up with nothing but blood and sweat and spit and tears and the full weight of our sinfulness. 
And he does it all so we might finally see what God has been trying to show us all along. That our king in Jesus wears humility and gentleness. Generosity and peace, forgiveness and mercy, love and good news. And because of Jesus, we're invited to do the same. God wants us to stop pretending. God wants us to stop ooing and eyeing over all the costumes and confusion the world adds to the simple, profound, unfettered grace and mercy of our Messiah. We don't have to pretend to be without sin. We don't have to pretend that any one of us is any more worthy than anyone else. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be right. We don't have to judge or be judged. We don't have to do anything. We only get to look to the cross and see our promised salvation. We only get to feel the waters of baptism and share them like we're going to do later today. This water that promises to turn sin into forgiveness and death into new life. And we get to lead our own parade of good news, fully clothed in grace and mercy and peace and more. And we get to share all of that the same and tell this truth with a capital T for a world so desperate to hear it. Amen.